there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your state representative, uh, your first grade teacher, the tooth fairy, anyone who has a question for us. I'm Courtney. I'm one of the librarians that you will be attempting to stump if you submit a question, which you can do so by visiting kdl.org forward slash stump. But I am joined by two fabulous ladies. I have Miss Emily. Hi. And of course, our handy dandy librarian behind the computer, Miss Jill. Hello. All right, ladies. Well, the snow is finally melting and spring is coming and it's probably here already. So what's your favorite part about springtime? Emily? Um, well, I do need to just point out, and I'm sorry for stealing this from anybody who's going to say it, but it is our birthdays. Um, yeah. Our respective birthdays are all in spring. But I think my favorite thing is that I plant flowers, and so I'm excited oh, yes. for my bulbs to come up, and I'm excited to like plant my summer flowers, and just very sweet at my house during the, the spring and summer. Nice. Jill? I also love spring flowers, and I love my birthday, and I really enjoy running the riverbank run, which happens in the spring. Very nice. I'm going to give a classic Courtney answer, and I'm going to say Easter candy. Um, Easter candy, I've, I've talked to Emily about this at length. I don't know if I've told Jill about my you uh, ranking, me. ranking of the seasonal candies. And in my opinion, and maybe it's because my birthday has fallen on Easter many a times. Um, it's actually the day before Easter this year because it's on a Saturday. Um, but Easter candy, by far the best seasonal candy, followed by Christmas, Valentine's. And then Halloween is last because Halloween candy is just regular candy packaged in bulk. I'm sorry. I said it. That's you're, how you're I feel. You're right, though. There's Wait, nothing original going on with the Halloween candy. Aren't there no. pumpkins sometimes? Sometimes pumpkin things are shaped, shaped like shaped, pumpkins. But there's no new, like, flavors oh, or yeah, There's no Cadbury yeah. eggs. There's yeah, no, you're like, right. Easter's have chocolate bunnies. Oh, yeah. I you, get, saw you get peppermint gum- when it comes to Christmas. They start throwing peppermint yeah. and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw at you're Target right. when I was there with Emily um, a giant gummy baby Yoda. Oh. I, I can't tell if it was Grogu or Yoda, but it was like a gummy version. Like Easter, top of the line candy. But anyways, enough about candy because now I'm going to want some candy. Um, Jill, we have some questions to answer, don't we? We have some good questions. None, no questions about candy. So please send us your questions about candy, kdl.org yes. forward slash stump. And we we'd love to talk them. about candy. Yes, we do. <laughs> but question number one. How many U.S. representatives does Florida have from Cameron and Lucas, age 8 and 10? Okay, so before we answer this question, it wouldn't be an episode of Snump the Librarian if we didn't dig a little deeper because that's a pretty easy answer question to answer. But we're going to talk about the history of the United States government and what U.S. representatives are. So buckle up because here we go. Way back in 1787, there was a new draft of the U.S. Constitution, which would define what the United States Congress is. A constitution is the basic principles and laws that guide a nation, and Congress is the part of the government that makes our laws. So Congress makes the laws, the judiciary branch enforces the laws, and then the... um, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name of the third branch of the government... Someone help me out. What, what, what did you say? Because I was thinking about my own. So the legislative branch is Congress. 
the judiciary branch is Supreme Court, and then the executive branch, branch, branch is the last one, is yeah. the president um, and things of that nature. <laughs> but anyways, here we go. Um, the group of people who met to put together the new constitution back in 1787 decided right away that there would be two parts of our Congress. But then they had a debate about how each of those parts would represent the people of the United States. The larger states wanted more representation in Congress, and the smaller states wanted equal representation in Congress. So they compromised, and each branch of Congress is set up differently. Um, the House of Representatives has 435 representatives total, and they are not spread equally among the 50 states. They are divided up by the population of the state, so not even the physical size of the state, the population, which is why a state like New York has more representatives than a state like Wyoming. Even though New York is significantly smaller, they have way more people than the state of Wyoming. But anyways... The Senate has 100 members, and each state has the same number of senators. We all have two per state. Um, and a state with a small population may have less members in the House of Representatives than a state with a larger population, but they both will have an equal number of senators, so it's a good compromise. Um, the number of representatives each state has is determined by the census, which the census is what counts how many people are living um, in a certain area. That is a time when the government counts all of the people in the country, like I said. See, this is what happens is Jill writes these notes, and then I think, oh, I'll add in my flair, and then I've just ended up repeating what Jill has said. Um, so I should stick to the script next time. Um, it's important to be counted in the census for many reasons, but one is so that your state has the proper number of representatives. Um, there is a fantastic book, and this is Jill saying it's fantastic. I have not read it, so I can't say it's fantastic. But you can check it out from the library. It's called the U.S. Congress for Kids. And this book contains all kinds of history and facts about how Congress works. But it also contains 21 activities that will help you learn more about Congress and help you to be a better citizen of the United States. So, guys, you should probably read this if you're super interested um, in this question. But one of the activities that's in it includes finding a map of your congressional district and finding the name of your representative. You asked how many representatives are in Florida, but I can't tell you who your particular representative is without an address. So Cameron and Lucas, you will have to do that work yourself. But here's how you do it. You go to house.gov put in your zip code. You might have to put in your exact address like I did if your zip code is covered by two different representatives. Um, but then you can see your representative and you can see your congressional district on a map of your state. You can also see your congressional district number, the political party of your representative, and you can even email your representative directly from this page. And Jill, you have a story about using this email feature to email your representative, don't you? I do. So um, this is the U.S. government, um, but the state government is modeled right after that. So in <laughs> each state, there is also a Senate and a House of Representatives. And um, I actually emailed my representative, my state representative, so not my representative 
in Washington, not my U.S. representative, but my representative in the state of Michigan, about an issue that I cared about. And the book, this book, the U.S. Congress book for kids, talks about what are some issues that might be worthwhile to to write to your congressperson about. Um, so I wrote to my congressperson, and my congressperson called me on the phone, called me back. How cool is that? It was nice really cool. Yeah. It was really cool. So we had a nice conversation, and we didn't see eye to eye, and that's okay, because it was a really um, good conversation. He listened to me, and, and he's representing me in the state of Michigan. So that was a really neat thing. So you, too, can write your congressperson. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't even matter if you're old enough to vote yet. Mm-hmm. You still can write to your congressperson, and sometimes they might write you back. And I love this book has a whole outline of like, here's how to address them, and here are some things you can say, and here's how you might end your letter to them. So very helpful if you want to become an involved citizen. All right, but we didn't quite answer the question at hand, um, which is how many representatives Florida has. And on that same website, so house.gov, there is the answer to your question. And if you click on the heading titled representatives, you can see a full directory of all 435 representatives, including their district number and any committees they're a part of in Congress. And you can scroll down to see that Michigan has 14 representatives currently in Congress, and Florida has 27 representatives currently in Congress. And if you want to find out more information about Congress and the history of the U.S. government, you can go to history.house.gov. So lots of fun facts to learn. It is, yeah. All right. Jill, speaking of fun facts, I know you're dying to share one. I, I really am. And I got to tell you that the fact of the day today is coming from this book that I just can't stop promoting because I think you should check it out, the U.S. Congress for Kids. And this fact is about the Speaker of the House. So the Speaker of the House is the um, person who is kind of the head of the House of Representation. Um, so there's two facts I'm going to share with you about that. The first one is that the first and so far only Speaker of the House to serve as president was James K. Polk of Tennessee, both a speaker and a president. Interesting fact. And the second one is that the first female Speaker of the House uh, was Nancy Pelosi of California, and she became the first woman Speaker on January 4, 2007. First Speaker of the House is a woman. That's impressive. She is still in... Um, the House of Representatives today. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jill. Thank you for answering that question as well. We learned a lot. What is our next one? Okay. So our next question is from Eli, age seven, and not listed from a branch, but from online, which you too can ask us a question, kdl.org forward slash stumped. You can submit a question for us and we'll answer it on the podcast. Eli asks, how was the moon created? That is a great question, and somehow I always seem to get the questions about space, which, or at least most of them, Um, but I'm not mad about it. Please send us all of your questions about space. I also love deep sea questions, and I will happily answer them, but let's get down to Eli's question about the moon and how it was created. Um, In a previous episode of the podcast, Emily talked about how the Earth was created, Um, and there are many theories on how that happened, and the same can be said for the moon. 
Since no one actually witnessed the creation of the moon, we all have theories on how it became possible. So let me share a few theories with you. And so some of these theories are folklore. So there are legends passed down in different civilizations, groups of people that explain it in a non-scientific way. And then we're going to get into the science because we love science here on the pod. We're big fans of science, but also of stories. And so these are some stories about the moon. Um, So in Mexican folklore, which actually is coming from Aztec folklore, um, the sun was created by a man. Um, And I am not going to try and pronounce his name because I know I will not pronounce it correctly. I'm going to spell it. (laughs) So it's C-H-I-C-O-V-A-N-E-G. And all of the people rejoiced and celebrated the sun. It's a very important thing. Gives us light, gives us heat. Very important. However, the night had no light and made people fear the dark. So the son of this of the man who created the sun felt like he could never create something as meaningful and impactful as his father. I mean, that's a lot to live up to. Um, until a talk with his mother, who talks to him about how much harder it would be to create a night sun because it would have to be bright but not too bright, and it would need to not create heat because the things need to cool down at night, and it would need to rest during the day. So it's a bit more tricky. Um, so the sun decides to go out, and he wants to create a night sun, which becomes the moon, um, so that no one will have to fear the dark any longer. So he goes on a quest, and I'm going to simplify this real good. You can click the link in the show notes if you would like to read the full story. But if I were to share the full story, this podcast would be way too long for you to listen to. So far, it sounds like an amazing story, though. It so is. I think I will also go and click It was that very link. interesting yeah. because... He goes to meet the serpent of the earth, and he gets given a rabbit best friend, essentially. So him and the rabbit go off on a quest to create a moon, um, a night sun. And so they travel to the end of the world, and I'm presuming in this myth that they still think the earth is flat, that the world is flat, and there is an end to it. Um, And from there, they jump into the stars, and they collect starlight, letting it cool before collecting it together, and boom, they got a moon or a son of the night. Um, and like I said, you can read more. That was a very, very brief summary, and I did not do that story justice, so I would take a look at that. Um, in Cree, legend has it that there was a man, and he had two children, a son and a daughter, and every man, every day, the man would go out, and he would keep the fire that makes the sun burning, um, and while his children took care of things back home. And when the sun, the sun was the hunter, and when he would come back from fishing, he would shake off his nets, and that's how the rain would fall. And then the daughter took care of things in the home, and when she was, like, fluffing the feather beds, the feathers would come out, and that was how snow fell to the ground. So some explanations for some other things. But anyways, the dad, he got too old to carry on, and he told his children that they were to continue with his work to keep the sun burning. Obviously, an important job, and so they fought over who was going to get to do that um, until West, I'm going to say this incorrectly also, so I'm going to spell it again. It's W-E-S-A-K-E-C-H-A-K, and I want to try and pronounce it, but I know I'm going to say it wrong, Um, but this being came to them and told them that they needed to stop bickering or the lives of living creatures on the earth would perish, so he created a compromise Um, And he told them that the sun would keep burning, like the sun, S-O-N, would keep burning the sun, S-U-N, during the day, and that the daughter would go farther away and she would be responsible for 
burning the light in the evening, so the night sun again. Um, so yeah, and that they they couldn't they also couldn't see each other for like a year. Again, I summarized that, and if you click the link, you can learn a little bit more. And the last legend, and this is going to be way brief, um, is from the Lakota tribes. And they tell it as a love story between the sun and the moon. And actually, there's a uh, in the link that's listed below, it will link you to a video um, to Byron Goodvoice Elk. And he tells the story way better than I would ever do paraphrasing here. And he's also going to pronounce those native names correctly. Um, so I would check that out. But it's he tells it as a love story that they, like, saw each other from across the river um, there it's are two like different tribes. Love story. I love yeah, that. yeah. I listened to it, and it gave, like the beginning gives you kind of those like Romeo and Juliet vibes. Wow. So like very interesting explanations. Um, and there are lots of other legends about how the sun and moon became to be from different ancient civilizations. So you can look those up. Because again, don't have time to share all of them with you. But now let's talk about what the science says for how the moon came to be. Now before the Apollo mission. To the moon, there were three theories. The first theory is capture theory, and it suggests that the moon was just floating around. It was formed somewhere else in the solar system and happened to come near Earth, and we grabbed it with our gravitational um, pull, and it's just been there ever since. Um, On the other side of the spectrum, there's the accretion theory, which suggests that the moon was created along with Earth when Earth was formed. Um, and the last one is the fission scenario, and that's this is that the Earth had been spinning, spinning, spinning so fast that some of the material broke away, and it began to orbit the Earth, and that is how the moon was created. Again, these are all theories um, based on what we know. And after the Apollo mission, the theory that is most widely accepted today is called the giant impact theory. Um, this theory suggests that the moon was formed during a collision between the Earth and another small planet about the size of Mars. Um, the debris from this impact collected in an orbit around Earth to form what we know as the moon. Um, and it was further supported by the Apollo mission when they brought back samples from the moon. Um, and when comparing those samples with Earth's geological makeup, they found that there were some similarities. So it's unlikely that... The capture theory is correct because if the moon was all the way out on the other side of the solar system or in a different solar system somewhere on Earth, one would assume that its geological makeup would be vastly different. Um, That's kind of my theories. I love like that science has theories like we're making these very educated like uh, guesses more or less. Like we've mm-hmm. got things to back it, but we're not totally sure. And then more new information will come along and we'll kind of change our theories or decide mm-hmm. like, well, this one doesn't work and this one fits better. Yep. It's really a cool process. Yes, we love the scientific uh, process. But because they are similar, but there is some variation, it's um, that whole accretion thing where it came directly from the earth is also not the greatest. Um, so it's most likely that the giant impact theory is the most accurate And, of course, scientists have tried to recreate the giant impact theory, not in real life, but virtually. (laughs) They can't really get a hold of something that is Earth-sized or Mars-sized and see what could have happened. And the theory suggests that long ago, Earth and another planet scientists called, I think it's Thea, um, which was thought to be the size of Mars, they collided together, and in that collision, the two planets became one. So they became the Earth that we know today. And while a smaller but, like, 
reasonably sized pe- not like you know I think when I say the word smaller, I'm like, oh, something that could fit my hand. No, like moon size, meaning the moon, um, broke off, and it became what we know as the moon. And, of course, if you want to learn more about the moon, we did in a previous episode talk about how the moon got its name. But you can also answer, ask us questions via kdl.org forward slash stump, or you can email us directly at stumpthelibrarian at kdl.org. And that is all the information I'm going to share on the moon today because, oh, golly gee, That's there is a great lot. moon info, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like I was like speed talking and I need to take a sip of water. It's, it's hard sometimes and really cool with these questions that there's like so much information that we can give you all. But we try to like be fairly concise <laughs> on our podcast. We try, we try. But I have been reading a book. Can I share it with you? Please. Okay, so the book I've been reading is Time Villains, and it's by Victor Pinheiro, and it's a J-book, and it's a new book. It came out in December, and it's a sci-fi fantasy. It's one of those ones that kind of, like, blurs the line because there is time travel. And so our main character, Javier, and his best friend, Wiki, and his sister, Brady, it starts out where they are shopping with their dad for a new dining room table, which sounds like... Super boring. But the table they get purrs and, like, shakes. Oh. And they're like, what is going on? So they name it. His name is Andy, in case you're curious. And it's just chilling in their house. Um, and so life goes on for a little bit. And Javier um, is in school. And he is he's not the, he's not the best at academics. Um, he's more of a chef. He's called the stomach of their group. Wiki is the brains and Brady is the bronze. Um, Brady's a tough. She likes tussle. Um, but anyways, they're in school and they get assigned this essay that they get assigned every day and they go to a school that's like a castle. And so the essay is what three people would you invite to dinner? It's a pretty common question, but they have to write a whole essay on it. They have to make the dinner and take photos of the like table. Obviously they use Andy. And so great. Or, uh, Excuse me, Javier asks Wiki to help him think of some guests that are guaranteed to get him an A++ because he might fail English if he doesn't. And if he fails English, they don't get to be in the same class anymore. Oh, no. Um, And so he suggests Mozart, but kid Mozart, they decide on because that's more exciting. Mozart when he was because he was still doing symphonies when he was a child. And then because Javier is really into cooking and sandwiches, especially they invite the Earl of Sandwich who created the sandwich. I think it's the Naturally, fifth Earl yeah. of the sandwich. Good. And then Wiki decides that he's going to be a, 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 not a jerk, but like it's it's, it's a, a not the best move considering what happens. He tells them to invite Edward Teach, who turns out to be Blackbeard the pirate. And um, I told you that the table was a little weird, so you can imagine what happens when they set the table. Who comes to dinner? And one of them does not go back in time where they came from. I'm guessing you know who. It's a great book. It's an adventure. Uh, I can tell that Jill is going to put it on hold immediately after leaving here. Um, You should definitely check it out. But we have one more question to answer, and it's Emily's turn. But Jill, what is that question? The question is, how many black jaguars are there? This question comes from Luke, age 7, from our Walker branch. 
And it's a great question. And honestly, it was a bit of a stumper. Um, but we'll get to <gasps> why it was uh, towards the end. So before we get into how many black jaguars there are, let's learn a little bit about jaguars first. Black jaguars are actually just a rare color variant um, that sometimes happens in jaguars. It happens in in all big cats. It's called melanism, which is the opposite of albinism, meaning that they have more melanin in their their right. bodies, and so their coats are a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, they are just jaguars with a little variation inside of them. So um, while I will try to answer the specific question to the best of my research skills, we're going to have a quick talk more broadly about some cool jaguar facts. We um, love a good fact, yes, especially absolutely. about animals, as and, we discussed. And they're cool. Big cats are really cool. Not only are they cute, but they are ferocious, <laughs> which is an interesting combo. The whole clouder of them. That's right, the whole clouder of them. Um, so first off... Jaguars are mostly found in the Amazon rainforest, in the Pantanal um, as well, which is the world's largest uh, tropical wetland. They they are powerful top predators. They play a vital role in their ecosystem um, because they help control the population of other species, keeping the food chain in balance and the environment healthy. They hunt both day and night. Um, They're opportunistic predators, which means that if something crosses their path and they're hungry, they are going to try to kill it and eat it. And this includes things like capybaras, deer, tortoises, iguanas. Capybaras? Yeah, armadillos, birds, monkeys, fish, like, you name it, and they will give it a go. I have to pause, though. Have you yeah. seen the videos of the capybaras just, like, chilling in a pond with, like, citrus f- fruits floating? <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's no. so calming, and they're so cute, <laughs> and that makes me so sad. But also, I can relate to that when it comes to candy. I right. mean, whatever candy is on my desk. Or, like, if I'm just, like haven't had lunch and it's late and I'm like, I'll just eat whatever. Like, What's in the fridge? Comes in front of yep. me, yeah. Um, you might be wondering, though, how they eat some of those animals that I mentioned because, like, tortoises have really hard shells and whatnot. Well, their first bite is, like, very fierce. They have super strong teeth and jaws where they can actually bite through shells or even bite wow. through the thick, um, yeah, the thick hides of crocodiles. So that first bite is, like... It's taking you out. And then they catch fish because they're actually really fabulous swimmers. Um, For the larger prey, which think like three to four times their weight, so like they are taking down some pretty large things, um, they will usually go for a crushing skull bite rather than like getting them by the neck because they want to completely like immobilize them as quick as possible to take them down. They probably don't prey on giraffes. If they could get up there, I mean that's. I mean I don't know how high they. They could find a giraffe. Jill's One. saying no. Oh, She's yeah, saying no. Um, they live in different continents. That's true. That is true. But I'm just boat. thinking, like if they if they aim for the skull, they are fabulous swimmers, Jill. <laughs> Not that fabulous. Um, and just like your house cat, they have those rough, bumpy uh, tongue bumps that are called papillae, um, and that helps them to scrape meat off the bones of the things that they. They eat, so they're pretty cool. They also, um, both jaguars and black jaguars, both have spots. Even even the melanized ones, um, they have spots. You can kind of see them in the sunlight, and you can see this on Google if you look up some of their pictures. Uh, and they're often mistaken for leopards because of the spots. But the way that you can tell the difference between their markings is that jaguars have, like, rosettes, circular markings, and then they have a black dot in the middle, whereas leopards just have, like, some speckly spots mm-hmm. instead. Um, also, they are the third biggest cat in the world. Courtney, do you know what other 
Like what, two oh. cats are bigger than them? Oh, how the tables have turned. Mm. <laughs> um, lions uh-huh. and tigers. Exactly. Yeah. But they do claim the spot of the biggest cat in the Americas, which is pretty cool. Also terrifying. But, also terrifying. You know, but not near us. So Not near us. No. Yeah. Um, all right. So now that we know a little bit about jaguars, let's get back to the question. Um, jaguars are endangered. And often with endangered animals, we wonder, like, how many are left? How is the species doing? Um, and jaguars in general struggle to, to survive against habitat loss. There's also lots of fragmentation um, due to, like, logging and cattle ranching. Mm-hmm. So they kind of get dipla- displaced. This isolates their populations. It makes breeding harder. Um, it also reduces their prey, which can lead them to like hunt the livestock of the people who yeah. are doing cattle ranching. And ranchers, of course, don't like that. Yeah. So they end up getting killed by ranchers. Um, so it's kind of a mess. They are also uh, vulnerable to illegal poaching, which thankfully like the demand for their skin has gone down. But there is still quite a high demand for like their paws and teeth and other parts oh. that people put in like traditional medicines. So so they're struggling for sure. So what I could find for how many jaguars, not just black jaguars, but jaguars were left varied very much. I spent a good amount of time trying to find like the best sources for this, but this is what I've come up with. So they are considered to be between 15,000 and 64,000 jaguars alive right now. Um, again, I couldn't find the specific number on that, and that's hard to track, too, uh, with wild animals. But I could also not find a specific black jaguar um, amount that had a valid source. So if any of our listeners happen to know somebody who, like, has an expertise in black jaguars or has stumbled across this information, please let us know because I couldn't find it. But um, I did find that around 11% of jaguars have melanism, so I mathed. And if you take, I I know, definitely call me on if I'm not doing this right. It's pretty basic math, though, so I think I'm good. But if you take the average of how many jaguars you have alive, um, and then you figure out 11% of that amount, that leaves you about 4,400 black jaguars alive. Again, though, that's just me mathing. There's a lot of factors. I haven't calculated into this, um, given my, like, complete lack of knowledge about black jaguars. But... But there's not a lot. They are endangered and they're struggling. And I've seen recently that there have been um, on some conservation websites some more push of like, hey, we need to pay attention to these big cats mm-hmm. and they're struggling right now. So. Those poor big cats. All right. Well, those are all the questions we had for today. We learned lots of interesting facts. Jill, what was your favorite fact that you learned? Well, I was going to say that having a new book for my to-be-read list is exciting. But I don't know if you know this about me, but when I was a kid, I used to pretend that I was raising big cats, all of the big cats, <laughs> and that they would just, I just, they were my pets. Yay. So all of those jaguar facts were amazing, and you should go look at pictures of jaguars and black jaguars definitely they're and there's some of them swimming and they just look particularly adorable swimming oh, for so some beautiful. reason they they're really so beautiful are. more graceful than hippos swimming yes. i'm assuming absolutely sometimes when i'm at the zoo i just stare at the tires and cry too much they're, a little too much so <laughs> maybe not many, enough i don't know i don't know how many hankies is a zoo visit for you <laughs> i'm not saying 
Okay, that's fair. What I'm about you? Oh, yeah, me? Um, yeah, you. So I really enjoyed <laughs> looking up the Jaguar facts, but I'm also really excited about this U.S. Congress for Kids book. It seems to have a lot of really great stuff in it yeah. and things that I think would have been cool had I had a book like that when I was a kid. So I'm, I'm excited mm-hmm. to actually put that on hold for myself. I think the funnest fact was that I forgot that the executive branch is called the executive <laughs> branch. <laughs> I can't. They just slipped my mind entirely. But also, I did enjoy uh, the different legends about the moon. Yeah, I didn't really know any legends about the moon, so it's interesting to look at those. And I'll have to read some of the stories a little more in depth. But uh, the jaguars also love big cats. Yeah, big cats from a great. distance. From a, yes, from, from a, a distance, system. respectfully. All right. Well, that's it for us today. Thank you all for your amazing questions and helping us to learn more about our world, too. For more info or to send us your own questions, go ahead and head on over to kdl.org forward slash stump. Tune in next episode where we answer more questions. And thank you to um, the KDL Service Center for letting us podcast in one of your great rooms. The KDL marketing team, as well as J.D. Delinsky for our intro music. Jaguars and Jolly Ranchers. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>